Hi, I'm Ran Kedar. I'm CEO of Space Bank Innovation. Hi, I'm Dr. Mor Baja, astrodynamicist, space environmentalist, and associate professor of aerospace engineering and engineering mechanics at the University of Texas at Austin. Hi, I'm Rafael Rodkin, founder of E2MC Space Ventures. And I'm listening to the Cold Star Project. And I listen to the Cold Star Project. And I listen to the Cold Star Project. Most of the issues are not in the contract negotiation. Contract negotiations with the launch vehicle typically are pretty straightforward. They, they offer a simple set of transportation services, like a, a very sophisticated taxi. They take you from point A to point B and they charge you X amount for that. The real issues come during what is called the uh, interface document production, the ICD. It's an interface control document. That is a, a document that is gonna collect all the information to manage the entire launch phase, the, all the, the preparation up to the launch campaign, the launch campaign, the launch and the mission until the spacecraft is separated from the vehicle. And that's where, and you, you have that, those meetings, people from the launch vehicle agency, from the spacecraft manufacturer, and from the customer. Sitting down together, writing everything down in this, uh, this little document. Well, this is a large document. So when things go wrong there, things go very wrong in the mission. Welcome back to the Cold Star Project. I'm Jason Canigan, your host, the founder of Cold Star Technologies, a data science and process engineering firm. And I'm here with John Paul Carnesser. That's how you can find him on LinkedIn, but he goes by Paul. Uh, he has been running a company called Telecan Space uh, that he's been the founder of for the last eight years. So it's been around a while. Lots of capabilities. Uh, I'm going to link to the website below in the description and you can go there and look around. Uh, but his specialty is bus engineering and that is a thing I don't know much about. So thanks for being here, Paul. Uh, well, thank you, uh, Jason. I'm very excited to be part of your call start. Uh uh, podcast. Awesome. Well, uh, we, we have a question here we know is a two-part question now, so I'm going to ask it in the two parts. One, uh, about spacecraft bus design, what's the most important thing to keep in mind about designing this thing? Well, the most important thing to keep in mind about the satellite bus is that the satellite bus uh, is itself a system that is composed of several subsystems, which is thermal, power, structure, TTNC, mechanism, proportion, etc. All these subsystems, they need to come together in a balanced way to deliver an optimum satellite bus. If you put too much emphasis on you once the bus is unbalanced and it's not an optimal solution, uh, which will result probably in uh, an expensive bus that is uh, with features that are actually not needed for the application. Or it could be the other way, if the imbalance is putting too much strain in another subsystem, for instance, in thermal, and it cannot deliver what is intended to be delivered. Mm. Okay, so everybody's going to be using this thing, <laughs> like the spine, and uh, yeah, if we overload it uh, with one system, that's going to cause a problem for the others. So is there something uh, that people who are not in charge of designing the bus tend to forget or overlook when they're coming up with design requirements? Is it that sort of uh, whole hog piggish mentality of, oh, I need to eat all the energy or something? Yeah, the typical problem with people that are not, uh, I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been the, the designer and I've been the guy that's specifying uh, the, the, the requirements for, for the designer. So I know very well what are the problems um, on that sense. The, and it typically relates to uh, inexperience. Uh, when the, the person writing the requirements is an experienced person, they do it 
typically they're doing well. But it's a learning as you go type of process. So the more number of programs you have been written, the specifications, the, you, the more, the better you get. There's no book to tell you how to specify a satellite <laughs> correctly. Mm. So oh, okay. the, the people that lack of experience, they either underspecify a satellite bus or the satellite in general. And the risk with that is you're getting whatever's left over in the shop of the manufacturer. Mm. And you will end up with a satellite that doesn't have enough margins and it, it will barely meet uh, your requirements. And if there's a slight anomaly, you're going to be not delivering what your customers want. Okay. The other um, problem is when they uh, overspecify. Yeah. If they overspecify, they end up with a, a satellite that takes, has a lot more capability than they actually need, and then end up paying for something that it's not going to be, it's going to be wasted in our, nobody's going to mm. use that. So those are the two typical problems I see and I've, I've seen in, in producing satellite specification. Okay. So that's what can go wrong. Uh, it basically doesn't have the capabilities to do what you want or you're overpaying for too much. Uh, yeah. Too much goodness. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, a long time ago, when I when I got out of college, I did um, some. Even though I'm not an engineer, I would design power plants, cogeneration power plants, uh, things up to you know a few megawatts. Uh, and power quality was a factor. Is that is that a factor here or not at all? Everything is a factor on, on a satellite. So this is a system, and everything mm -hmm. uh, has a consequence in some in another system. For instance, if, if you have a, a power failure or you have less power than you were expecting mm -hmm. for an, any anomaly, it's going to have a consequence in another one. The most immediately one is on thermal because mm -hmm. you're dissipating less energy. Thermal has to pick up the, slap, the slack sorry, and, and try to make things work with less power. There's going to be less, you're going to start diverting power that was going typically to heaters into the payload because that's what the builds. So there are consequences in all the entire entire system. Okay, heat is the dumping ground of the universe here yeah. as well, huh? So you have you have a number of courses listed on uh, on the website, uh, and I'm curious who they're for, what kind of person best benefits from them, and what the investment range looks like. Okay, we have two main group of courses. Uh, one group of courses is the procurement uh, management courses. Um, these courses, they cover the entire spectrum of anything, anybody that's trying to procure a space asset. Uh, and it starts from writing the RSP, selecting bidders, contract negotiations, and then managing the contract up to all the way up to delivery. And, um, and for who are these type of uh, courses? For everybody, engineer, either engineers or non-engineers. Um, typically, everybody, when we're talking about the space industry, they all automatically think about engineers. But there's a legion of non-engineers working right. in space programs, which are lawyers, accountants, uh, contract managers, assistants, and so on, that they have a tremendous need to understand what is a launch vehicle, what is an orbit, uh, what type of insurance we're getting for an orbit, uh, what is the satellite life. Uh, they need to understand very well those this, this uh, concepts in order to do their, their jobs uh, and this, when they a lawyer grabs a contract a launch vehicle contract or a satellite contract they have options we're getting more power, more, uh, power margins we're getting uh, options of different launch vehicles they need to understand all this 
and they don't teach that in law school, so it helps them a lot in doing their job. Okay. The other group of project, the other group of courses we do is uh, space segment technical courses. They go from the very basic courses for uh, junior engineers that come from different industry. They're trying to get into the space industry, uh, all the way to very advanced courses like electric propulsion, advanced thermal, and so on. All right. And the investment level looks like uh, about what? It's, it's very flexible. We do not offer typically CAN courses that are given at a certain date in the year. We, we offer customized courses for our customers. Mm -hmm. uh, so we tailor them for whatever the needs that they have. Sometimes they have a, a small group of three people and mm -hmm. they, have, they want to learn about advanced, they're mid-engineers, they want to learn uh, on their skills in an advanced propulsion course. So we give them like a three-day courses. Sometimes they have a large group of like a 10 people and they want to go cover the entire spectrum from basics all the way to advanced. So we prepare something different for them. But the key here is that the courses are flexible to whatever budget and whatever needs you have. Okay. And, and um, where did you get the expertise together? Like uh, you have to find these folks, obviously, right? Uh, to help teach some of the, the course material. Yeah, most of the people, the trainers, uh, I am one myself, mm -hmm. have over 20 years of experience doing that particular, honing that particular skill or that particular area. For instance, I spend most of my time as a thermal mechanical engineer. Mm -hmm. So I, I tend to do the, give the thermal mechanical courses uh, as well as the procurement courses. Uh, then we have experts in, in propulsion, we have experts in, in electrical power systems and so on. They've been working 30, 20, 30 years in the industry. Some of them are retired now and they just do it uh, for fun and, and they want to give back the know-how to the next generation. Okay. Uh, on the website, you've got a service offering. We're going to go through a couple of these outside testing of spacecraft. So someone will, do you go to where the satellite is or do they send it to you or what? Uh, we typically don't do testing at satellite level. Yeah. Uh, we have smaller facilities. Typically we test at unit level, at the box mm -hmm. level, okay. uh, rather than at the satellite level. For, depending on the size of a satellite, you need a very large chamber. A uh, very large facility just to run the chamber. Mm. Um, so that's the type of testing we do, and we focus more on developing testing rather than actually qualification for something that is already built and it's going to fly in the next day. Uh, people, when they develop things, they want to do a, a test just to mitigate risk to see if does have this the prototype works or not. That's the type of the, the testing we mostly do here. Okay. Are you making something then on behalf of the customer or do they ship you something? Uh, sometimes we make, uh, I mean, we do R&D for customers. Uh, they have a specific uh, problem they want to solve. For instance, we do a lot of R&D on thermal uh, management hardware, heat pipes, uh, heat straps. So they have a, an electronic box. There's overheating. They put nowadays 150 watt FPGAs on them and they want to cool them down. They used to be about five, 10 watts before. <laughs> so it's a huge, yeah. another little magnitude difference and that heat is difficult to remove from the electronic box. So we design and test this customized uh, uh, thermal management uh, hardware um, for them. Okay, this is Jason Gannigan from Cold Star Tech and I'm excited to share with you a new offer from Cold Star that we are bringing out to help both space founders and 
venture capitalists who fund space companies. And it's on two levels. The lower level is a VC who is looking at possibly funding a space company, but they just don't get it. Right? And a lot of tech founders want to come out and create some sort of technical capability, but they do not understand business. And so you'll look and you'll go, where's the customer here? Where's the business model? And they'll go, huh? But I want to make rockets or something, right? And, and it's really cool. Well, that, as we know from the dot-com era, is not a viable business model. And so you bring us in. We've got great technical expertise on the space side. Folks who have done this sort of assessment before, like our technical engineering advisor, Dr. Rick Fleeter, myself in the process engineering field, plenty of other people with brains to look at this problem so that you don't have to blow your brains out trying to figure out how to make this work. And on the company side... It's a benefit for them because we will show them the roadmap to how you're going to get funded, how, how you will want to fund them, what changes to make to get VCs excited about putting money in. And so that's good for you. Right? The second level is at a, a deeper and higher level at the same time. It is for venture capitalists who have uh, given a seed round to a company a space company, and that has gone on for a little while, six months, a year, something like that, and it is time, as uh, COVID has made it, to double down or get out. Those are pretty much the choices, right? It's time to invest further in a thing we already know, which seems to be the direction VCs are going in right now. Uh, they don't seem to want to look at new things uh, or, or stop, just kill the project. And so the good news is, in that situation, there's a lot more going on. There's more meat for cold star experts to get in and, and analyze, right? You're going to have processes in place, whether they know it or not. We'll be able to flowchart those and, and maybe accurately document them for the first time so we can get some kind of value chain going in the organization. We'll be able to test whether the leadership is the right group of people or whether you're missing something, the strategic direction, the business model, all this stuff. So... If this sounds interesting to you, reach out to us. You can email me at jason at coldstartech.com or just connect with me and message me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way to do it. And uh, I am excited to talk to you. The, the kind of transformation that we're able to offer here is beyond anything you'll see out there. And as a VC, this will save you so much time and energy, right? Like if you're a VC and you've got 100 companies to look at, you've got three days a year <laughs> to, to look at each one maybe, right? That's not really good enough, is it? Wouldn't it be better to have uh, experienced, expert space, people who understand space, right? Look at this investment and tell you, here's a grade, right? Here are several grade areas. Is this thing ready to pour gasoline on the fire? Or is it just going to go up in smoke? This is Jason Kanig from Cold Star Tech. Let's get back to the interview. So if you're putting it together, it's no problem. But I was thinking you guys are based in Canada. Uh, it's shipping things across borders that are technology-based is not always the easiest thing to do. Uh, is this ever an issue or do you just go, look, yes. we'll design it? It is a difficult, it is a problem. Not to get the raw materials and parts itself, but mm. once it's assembled and has a space label yeah. on it, it gets more difficult to cross borders. Even stuff that we've designed, for instance, we've designed things and we send it to the US and automatically becomes ITAR. Mm -hmm. And they can ship it back to us for any refurbishment or anything else, although we designed the entire thing. We built it, but all of a sudden, it's out of our reach anymore. Right, right. It just transforms into something else. Okay, let's talk about satellite program monitoring. Uh, how often are subcontractors holding up the project schedule? 
I'll say most of the time, and it is yeah. not for um, for bad um, bad uh, mouthing the, the self contractors. Mm -hmm. It's hard; they have a harder job. Well, yeah. the problem is at at space travel integration level. Typically, the big players like uh, I don't want to mention companies now, but they have a very well tuned process to put together a saddle. They, it's not the first time that they do it. So they, but then this, especially in, in geocom satellites, they've been doing this for many years now. They know how to do it. They're very, they have very, very well oil uh, machinery for that. But always the problem comes at the subcontractor because all, they provide all the parts to put it together. So there's always some sort of problem. Either a worldwide, I remember one there was once there was a worldwide shortage of captain. Hmm. Captain is the yellow tape that you see around the satellite. Uh, it's just like the duct tape of space. It's a very generic uh, material, very generic thing that's used everybody. Everybody uses that. And there was a worldwide shortage of that. So all the schedules of the sat satellite level were delayed or at risk to be delayed because of the shortage of captain. There was a shortage of, shortage of um, KA band uh, uh, amplifiers. Hmm. These amplifiers are used for satcoms. And all of a sudden, they're making this big uh, satellites. They were taking hundreds of them. So there was a fierce competition trying to get a hold of uh, these uh, tubes. There's also problems of obsolescence. Uh, nowadays, we see less, less, but sometimes there is uh, an anomaly in orbit of a, of a specific unit, and that affects all the units that are similar or have similar components to it. So you cannot integrate a unit that is suspected to have a problem. So that brings delays too. So yeah, most of the time the delays are on the on the suppliers, but yeah. they do have a more yeah. difficult job. Okay, and uh, one of the things that you say you work on is interfacing with the uh, launch vehicle agency. What kind of issues do you encounter there? Most of the issues are not in the contract negotiation. Contract negotiations with the launch vehicle typically are pretty straightforward. They they offer a simple set of transportation services like. A, a very sophisticated taxi. They take you from point A to point B and they charge you X amount for that. And they have some options, but usually the options are not, that, I mean, like giving you a better internet connection at the launch site, uh, some other features to have your people working in that more comfortably during the launch campaigns, but they're not that significant. The real issues come during what is called the uh, interface uh, document uh, production, uh, the ICD. It's an interface control document. That is a document that uh, is going to collect all the information to manage the entire um, launch phase, the, all the, the preparation up to the launch campaign, the launch campaign, the launch and the mission until the spacecraft is separated from the vehicle. And that's where um, you, you have that, those meetings, people from the launch vehicle agency, from the spacecraft manufacturer, and from the customer. Sit down together, writing everything down in this uh, this little document. Well, this is a large document. So when things go wrong there, things goes very wrong in the mission. For instance, there's a mission of two large, uh, a large satellite manufacturer that end up the satellite ends up in the wrong orbit. Um, it also determines how the process during the launch campaign. A satellite got damaged because somebody moved the crane and hit the satellite with the crane. So this is the critical moments uh, when this document is being created and a lot of people overlook that. Okay, are, are there any other places during the process uh, that you, you find that your company is helping out customers the most with? Uh, we also help a lot during contract negotiations for satellite. That's a key point mm -hmm. for that. 
because that depends. You have to make sure you put all the clauses that uh, you need to protect yourself during the both. Uh, you're not buying, it's not when you buy like a, buy a car, just go to the dealership, they keep, you sign a couple of documents, they give you a key, and you go out. When you buy a space asset, it's a very different process. Hmm. You need to be involved to make sure you're getting what you're paying. Uh, so you need to be very involved in the contract, uh, right at the beginning in the contract negotiation phase, ensuring that you're going to have the visibility you need, all the controls and the audits uh, on the process. You also have to, have to make sure that you're going to make sure that it's written down in the contract, all the hardware you're going to get, what is the qualification of that hardware, what is the, the, the product assur assur assurance process behind that hardware before it gets put into a rocket and launched. Because if you don't write that down, mm -hmm. you're getting whatever's left over, over in the shop. And you may be fine, but typically when you pay for a salary, you're paying for a top quality salary, like not whatever is left over. Right. <laughs> because nobody else wants it. Everybody mm -hmm. else rejected it. You don't want that, that battery or that uh, liquid apogee engine. You want the one that had the top mark, not mm. the lowest mark. Okay. And for anybody wanting more information on space insurance, I did an episode with Bob Weirdy of Marsh, and uh, we, we went into <laughs> quite a bit of detail on how space insurance works there. Okay. So a lot of contract negotiations and, and making sure that folks are getting what they think they are. And uh, you guys help them turn all the rocks over to see, hey, did we actually look under here? Uh, there are a lot of engineers out there today who are starting up space companies. They're trying to get funding to develop technical capabilities. And I'm curious what you wish that these new founders would know about starting a space business, given that you've been in the industry a long time. That's a very interesting question. I think nobody knows really the answer nowadays. Mm -hmm. We are, uh, I mean, private space is still a baby. Uh, it's not been that long. And if you asked me about a couple of months ago, I would say that because I work, we work a lot with startups and we see a lot of that they have very good ideas, very good uh, momentum, uh, but they didn't get to the finish line. And that two months ago, I would say it's a problem of scale. Hmm. But with what happened recently with OneWeb, I really <laughs> had to rethink what I would say. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. It's, it's very difficult. Everybody is trying to figure it out. Uh, some have been able to do it like Elon Musk with SpaceX, but I think that he was at the right time. Mm -hmm. uh, with, uh, yeah, he, he was very fortunate. I mean, he had a great idea. He has a very, obviously he's a very smart person and, and driven person, but he was there at the right time with the right idea. Uh, I've been procuring launch vehicles for a very long time and I've seen a lot of people with even better ideas than Elon that had failed because they didn't have, to have it ready at the right time. Uh, so timing is very important. Mm -hmm. Timing is very important and when they plan, they should plan for sustainability rather than thinking about 10, 15 years ahead because they might not even get that we need to pay uh, bills every month. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so make sure first right. you have money enough to pay the bills every month and you'll get to the 10 years. Mm -hmm. And when you've got a million dollar a month burn rate, <laughs> that money disappears really fast. Yeah. 
All right. Where can people go to find out more information about you and your company, Paul? Well, obviously our website and, and, and LinkedIn, there are good resources. Yeah. Um, there's our contact information. Please give us a call, contact us. We love to hear about your problems. That's uh, what we are about, to solve people's problems and help them improve to through their, pro their problems. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll link to uh, the website in the, in the description below. Um, my guest today has been John Paul Carnesser. He goes by Paul and he's the founder of Telecan Space. Uh, it's been great to hear from you and get some of that um, nitty gritty feedback of what it actually takes to build satellites. Thanks for being here. No, you're welcome. Uh, thank you, Jason. Have a good day. Great day. Hey, this is Jason Canigan, the host of the program. Thanks a lot for listening to The Cold Star Project. If you want me to send you new episodes of The Cold Star Project so that you don't have to go hunting around for them or watching YouTube or anything like that, go to this page, coldstartech.com slash MSB. That's short for Make Space Boring, which is what we're all about. And uh, drop in your email address there, and I will be able to do that for you. Make Space Boring is another little show that I run. It's a shorter format, quick interviews, and uh, news of the day, and sometimes an update of who I'm meeting and what I'm learning in the space field. It's on the same Cold Star Tech channel. Speaking of which, on the YouTube channel, I can do something I cannot do on the audio-only version, which is add playlists. And so there may be topic area playlists on the YouTube channel that you would be interested in digging into and going down the rabbit hole and learning uh, more about. For example, space law and policy, space situational awareness, the lunar mining and construction and fun stuff like that. So go check that out. Uh, that is at coldstartech.com play. That's the short link to get there. Anyway, thanks for listening and I look forward to talking to you soon.